The Bible is not just one book, but 66 smaller books from all different times, places, cultures, and languages, all with one message. But where did they all come from? Who wrote them? And how do we end up with those 66 books? Last time on Thinking Theology, we looked at where the 39 books that make up the Old Testament come from. In this episode, we're looking at the 27 books that make up the New Testament. Who wrote those? Where did they come from? Then in the next episode, we'll be looking at how those books were collected to form the New Testament, as well as looking at some of the books that didn't make it into the New Testament, like the Gospel of Thomas. Hi, my name's Carl Dienick. I'm a pastor, theologian, writer, and Bible college lecturer. Welcome to Thinking Theology, a podcast where we think about theology, the Bible, and the Christian life, not just for the sake of it, but so we can love God more with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The New Testament is made up of 27 smaller books and letters that were written over about 60 years from the 40s to 90s AD by a range of different people in different settings. The first book to be written was probably either James in the early 40s or Galatians in about 48 AD, while the last was probably Revelation, which was most likely written in the 90s AD. Given that Jesus died in 30 AD or so, that means that the final written forms of the books we have were all completed within 10 to 60 years of his death, largely by people who were eyewitnesses of his life, as we'll see. Like the Old Testament, the New Testament is divided up into sections. The first section is the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels are, of course, biographies or really theological biographies of Jesus' life. The first three are very similar to each other and narrate many similar events in similar ways. And for that reason, they're often called the Synoptic Gospels, which means seeing together. After the Gospels is Acts, which narrates the history that bridges the events of Jesus' life with the events of the early church that we read about in the rest of the New Testament. After Acts, the rest of the books are all letters in some way or other. The first set are the letters of Paul. They're organised into two groups. First are his letters to churches, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians. And then come his letters to individuals, Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. Within those two groups, the letters are organised roughly from the longest to the shortest, although Oddly, Galatians is shorter than Ephesians. After Paul's letters is Hebrews, which is a kind of sermon that appears to have been sent as a letter. And Hebrews is then followed by what are called the Catholic epistles, Catholic in the sense of universal rather than belonging to the Roman Catholic Church or something like that. The Catholic epistles include James, the two letters of Peter, the three letters of John, and then Jude. The last book of the New Testament then is Revelation. But what more do we know about the books and letters that make up the New Testament? The first four books of the New Testament are the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It seems that from the very earliest times the Gospels circulated with those titles identifying the author of each Gospel. It's sometimes been suggested that the titles only developed later in the second century, but there's no evidence that the manuscripts ever circulated without titles 
And the ascription of each of the Gospels to those four writers was universal by the second century. You would expect that if they were originally anonymous and the titles were only added later, that there would be some record of dispute or differences over who exactly wrote what. The first gospel to be written, historically speaking, was most likely Mark. It was probably written in the late 50s or early 60s. It was most likely written by the Mark who is mentioned numerous times in the New Testament, in Acts and in Paul and Peter's letters. Certainly for the title according to Mark to be in any way meaningful to the early church, the Mark who it referred to had to be well known. It was at Mark's mum's house that the early Christians prayed for Peter's release. He was a cousin of Barnabas. He accompanied Paul and Barnabas on their famine relief trip to Jerusalem and on their first missionary journey. He's the one over whom Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement, but who was later reconciled with Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. While Peter calls Mark his son in 1 Peter 5 verse 13, son in the metaphorical sense of someone that he loves and cares for. As well as the title ascribing the gospel to Mark, we also have access to the writings of an early church father, Papias, writing in about 100 AD or shortly after, who says that Mark was the scribe of the apostle Peter and Mark wrote down Peter's account of Jesus' life. Papias also claims that that tradition comes from the apostle John himself and the claim that Mark wrote the gospel is also backed up by other early Christians like Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Tertullian, Clement of Alexandria, and Origen, who all lived in the second and early third centuries. Moving on to Matthew, Matthew was most likely written by Matthew the disciple, also called Levi. Papias also confirms that. So Matthew wrote then as a direct eyewitness of Jesus' life. He most likely wrote shortly before 70 AD, but we don't know that for sure, but it was clearly early and very probably before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Luke, it seems, was a doctor. That's how Paul describes him in Colossians 4 verse 14. He was clearly highly educated, his Greek is considered to be very polished, and he is meticulous in his recording of details. We also know from Acts, which Luke also wrote, and from Paul's letters, that Luke was a travelling companion and co-worker of Paul. We also have evidence of Luke's authorship from early Christian writers like Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Tertullian, and others. While Matthew and John, as we'll see, were eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and Mark was faithfully recording Peter's testimony, who himself was an eyewitness of Jesus' life, Luke was not an eyewitness. Instead, Luke acted more like an investigator, compiling an account from the testimony of others. We know that from how he begins his gospel. He writes, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So Luke acknowledges his awareness of other faithful and trusted accounts, but also says that he set out to compile his own faithful account. And as we read through his gospel, we get hints of some of his sources. So it's clear that he had access to Jesus' mother Mary because during his account of the birth of Jesus, he gives us insight into the things that Mary stored up in her heart. 
We don't know when exactly it was that Luke was written, but it was maybe something like the mid-60s AD. Alongside Luke comes the book of Acts. Acts is really the second volume of Luke's gospel. Luke begins Acts with the words, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. The former book is the Gospel of Luke, and Acts is really the continuation of that story. Although Luke wasn't an eyewitness of Jesus' life, we do know that he was an eyewitness of some of the events recorded in Acts. Throughout Acts, we see Luke using we to describe some of his travels with Paul. We travelled here or we travelled there. So Luke, for example, according to Acts 27 and 28, set off with Paul by ship for Rome and was then shipwrecked with him on the island of Malta. The final gospel then is the Gospel of John, and it was most likely written by the disciple John. Chapter 21 identifies the writer as the disciple whom Jesus loved, a description that is used throughout the Gospel of John. And when you narrow down all the possibilities throughout the gospel, it basically comes down to either the disciple John or the disciple James. We know it's not James because we know from Acts that he was martyred in the early 40s AD. And we also know that Peter and the beloved disciple are often connected together in the gospel of John, much as Peter and John are often connected in the other gospels, which suggests that the beloved disciple is the disciple John. Once again, we also have the evidence of who wrote John from the testimony of early Christians like Irenaeus, Clement of Alexandria, Tertullian, and others. John was probably the last of the Gospels to be written. It's hard to know exactly when, but a date in the early 80s seems pretty likely. So what about the rest of the books in the New Testament? After the Gospel and Acts, the next section contains the letters written by the Apostle Paul. The earliest of his letters is probably Galatians. It dates from around 48 AD, just before the Jerusalem Council reported in Acts 15. The last of Paul's letters was most likely to Timothy, which was written just before his execution in Rome in about 64 AD. There's a couple of reasons to believe that all the letters we have from Romans to Philemon were written by Paul. First of all, because he identifies himself as the author. His letters begin with something like, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, to all in Rome, and so on. We know too that Paul's letters were circulating during the early period of the church. In 2 Peter 3.16, Peter refers to the letters of Paul. He says, Our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Interestingly, Peter refers to all Paul's letters, which suggests more than just one or two, and given that 2 Peter was written in the early 60s, it could even be that Peter had access to all the letters that we have that were written by Paul. We also have early manuscript evidence that Paul's letters were being distributed as a collection. One of our earliest manuscripts of the New Testament is P46 or Papyrus 46. It dates from around the middle of the 2nd century, and it contains many of the letters of Paul from Romans through to 1 Thessalonians plus the book of Hebrews. It doesn't contain 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, or what are called the pastorals, nor does it contain Philemon. 
But given that the manuscript is incomplete, it's missing 36 out of the original 208 pages, that means it's almost impossible to say that the manuscript didn't include those other letters. But the pastoral epistles are in something called the Muratorian Canon, which dates from the late 2nd century. It's a kind of list of the books that were considered to be part of the New Testament. And we have other evidence from outside the Bible, when 1 and 2 Timothy or Titus are quoted by people like Polycarp, Athanagoras, Irenaeus and others. There are people who cast doubt on Paul's authorship of some of the books of the New Testament, but given the early gathering of his works into a collection and the fact that the church quickly rejected the authority of any work that was suspected of being written under a false name, it seems unlikely that Paul didn't write the letters that we have. Besides Paul, the two other major writers of the New Testament letters are the Apostle Peter and the Apostle John. Peter wrote 1 and 2 Peter. They date from maybe around the early 60s AD. We know that because Peter was martyred in 65 AD during the persecution of Christians under Nero. Polycarp seems to quote from 1 Peter and Irenaeus refers to 1 Peter by name as well. John wrote the Gospel of John as we've seen, but he also wrote the three letters of John, maybe in about the early 90s AD. Unlike Paul, John's letters don't begin with his name. 1 John just gets straight into it. But 2 and 3 John begin with the elder as the name of the person writing. It's really the similarity in language and theme that connects the letters of John with the Gospel of John. There's also good external evidence from people like Irenaeus, Papias and others for John's authorship of those letters. Finally, John also wrote the book of Revelation. He identifies himself as the author in chapter 1 verse 4, writing John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. And there's support for that from sources outside the Bible, including from people like Melito, the bishop of Sardis, and Irenaeus, who was from Smyrna. Both Sardis and Smyrna are places that are addressed by the letter of Revelation. So they're the kind of people who would know who wrote that work. Irenaeus also gives us a rough date for when John wrote Revelation, saying that it was towards the end of Domitian's reign. Domitian was the Roman emperor from 81 to 96 AD, suggesting that John received his vision from God sometime in the early to mid-90s. Besides those books, there's Hebrews, James and Jude. Hebrews was originally thought to have been written by Paul, that's why it was bound together with Paul's letters in P46 or Papyrus 46. But it's unlikely that Paul wrote Hebrews. It lacks the customary greeting of Paul, and in many ways, it's quite different from Paul's other letters. So too, the evidence from outside the Bible suggests that early Christians weren't all convinced that Paul had written Hebrews. That doesn't mean, of course, that it shouldn't be part of the Bible, it just means that Paul didn't write it. James seems to have been written by James, the brother of Jesus. Given that no other identifying information is given, the James who wrote it must have been well known in the early church. There are four Jameses in the New Testament. There's James, the father of Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple named Judas. But that James was most likely too obscure to have written the letter. There's James, the son of Zebedee, one of the disciples, but as we've already seen, he was martyred in 44 AD, which is probably too early for him to have written the letter. That leaves the other disciple, James, the son of Alphaeus, and James, the brother of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus, seems the most likely candidate because of his later prominence as the leader of the church in Jerusalem. 
We find out about that in Acts 15, where James also gives a speech which shows some interesting similarities with the contents of the letter of James. And like with other books in the New Testament too, there's evidence from early Christians that support James, the brother of Jesus, as being the author of James. Finally, Jude was written according to its first verse by Jude, or really Judas, a servant of Jesus and brother of James. There are five Judes or Judases mentioned in the New Testament. Judas who betrayed Jesus, Judas the revolutionary mentioned in Acts 5, Judas son of James the apostle, Judas called Barsabbas, who in Acts 15 accompanied Paul and Barnabas as they took the decision of the Jerusalem Council to the churches, and finally there was Judas the brother of Jesus. The most likely candidate is Jesus' brother Judas, since that Judas is also the brother of James, Jesus' other brother. And again, to refer to a James and a Jude without any further information means that those two individuals must have been well known in the church. We don't know when Jude was written, but its similar themes to 2 Peter suggest it could have been written about the same time in the early 60s. So that's some background to where the books of the New Testament came from and who wrote them. If you want to know more about the individual books and their author, their date, recipients and setting, one of the most useful resources is a study Bible. The two I would recommend are either the ESV Study Bible or the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible. Which one you choose probably depends more on which translation you find the most helpful, but if you're not sure, I'd probably go with the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible. That's all for this episode of Thinking Theology. In the next episode, we'll be thinking about the formation of the New Testament. We'll look at how these books were collected to form the New Testament, what criteria was used, who decided, when did it happen? We'll also look at some of the books that didn't make it into the New Testament, like the Gospel of Thomas. Please join me then.